Friends, I bring you greetings from the Campbell Memorial Presbyterian Church in Weems, Virginia. Uh, Campbell being a good Scottish name, uh, we are a kirk of types ourselves in Weems. It's a waterman village on the Chesapeake Bay. It's my delight to be here with you this morning, share a bit of the word of God. But I have to tell you about my rich encounter with Edwin years ago, a new pastor in the Presbytery of Newcastle and a new neighbor in my neighborhood. I had left for vacation. I would be away a few weeks and left the laptop that I needed in my home. And I, I thought, now, who could I find that would shimmy up to the second level of a row house and then Jimmy opened the windows and then fling himself through the window onto the floor, find the laptop, and then think and remember to put it in express mail and get it to me. And I thought, well, who, who do I know? And the name of Edwin Estevez jumped into the front of my mind. You know by now that being adaptive is one of the great skills and traits of church leaders and of congregations, and Edwin brings that all to you. So that was part of our beginning. So please pray with me. Holy God, give us a holy insight to this word, this revelation that informs our living and completes us in the sense that we belong to you we have always and shall always be yours. We pray for this wisdom and knowledge. We pray and come to you in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. One day uh, I'm going to die, and when I die, or when I kick the bucket, or when I buy the farm, or uh, in Spanish, entregar la cuchara. See? La cuchara, see? When, when we go, we, I want to leave something behind, and I want it to be something important. I, I want it to be something that will carry forth a project or a purpose that is dear to my heart. And I think about that, and usually when we think about inheritance and such, we think about a gift of money or something that's passed down family to family. My great Aunt Margaret gave me just enough money to enroll in my first semester of college. And the ring that I wear is from my great-grandfather that was worn by my grandfather and my father, and I wear it now. These are things that are passed down that we enjoy, and maybe, you know, maybe someone will allow me to inherit a house, but I have not heard from anyone on that event yet. Now, I have two kids, and I think they're expecting something significant. Uh, when I pass to glory, and I just tell them, dream on. Keep dreaming, <laughs> you know. Some of the things that we inherit aren't, aren't the material matters that we accumulate at all. We inherit all kinds of things. We inherit a reputation of our family, uh, that people think well of us or not so well of us, and then we pass that reputation on, whether we're people who were kind or kind of cool, whether we were generous or miserly, whether we were in love with life and we loved people, or we found life to be a, a bit fearful. We inherit DNA that tells us something about our medical predilections. We inherit lots of things, but that's not the kind of 
inheritance I'm talking about. That's not what I think about passing on. I, I think about passing on something that is more profound, more profound. And I think about something that we, we might have, but not something that can be uh, you know, lost or, or, or forgotten or sold. It's not that kind of thing. It's not the accumulation of things that I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm thinking about something more powerful, uh, something more permanent that can be passed on. And I remember from the Gospel of Matthew, that text that tells us to beware of those things that we accumulate, you know. Uh, do not store up for yourselves uh, treasures where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. That's not the kind of stuff I would like to pass on. And I have to think about that. In this text this morning, Luke passed on a story. Yeah, a story. He passed on the story of this Christ who was lived and suffered and who was crucified, but then was raised by the outpouring of God's love upon this world is a vindication of his life. Luke told that story in a, in a personal way, and he shared that story with us in his writings. Luke and the book of Acts were probably a single volume. In that first volume of the Gospel of Luke, we read and hear about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus. And he is filled with this Spirit, and it gives him an authority from above. It guides and counsels him in his mission and ministry. It sustains him in his suffering. And then in the book of Acts, that same Holy Spirit rains down upon the disciples and they are filled with courage. They have the audacity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have the power to lay hands upon others and to heal in Jesus' name. They have the courage to endure suffering, which for many will be their circumstance in life. All of this is given to us in these books, the book of Luke and the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Luke writes because he wants to share with us something about this Jesus. And he essentially tells us that wherever Jesus would travel, everywhere he went and everyone he touched, they felt something of a peace within everywhere he went and everywhere that he taught. People would lean into his teaching because he was preaching from this deep well of inexhaustible wisdom and love and they were hungry for it. Everywhere Jesus went and everyone he touched, everywhere he went, the forces of darkness and, and distress and the demonic forces of the world cowered and, and they, they ran from him so that those who were with him felt safe and anyone who, who knew him and touched him even in that moment felt just that moment of relief of the pain of this world. Everyone who knew him experienced when they were with him freedom, true, complete, freedom. That was what Luke wanted to pass on to those 
who read his gospel. Now the truth is, how could Luke possibly know who would read this book? How could he possibly know that in that first generation from the time of Jesus, the gospel would be spread from Jerusalem to Rome and beyond? How could Luke know that? How could Luke know what would occur and happen to the young, fledgling faith, the Jesus faith, the people of the way, the people who taught that God's love is equally provided to the wicked and the good, that the welcome of all hearts into the kingdom, that story was let loose upon the world. But how could he, he could not know any of that. No, when Luke writes his gospel, he's writing probably to his friends. He's writing to those people who've gathered around him that are part of his circle of communion and prayer and worship. He writes to them to sustain them when they are challenged and when their faith is under fire. He writes to strengthen them when they experience persecution. He writes this letter to them, and it's an intimate letter and a personal letter. And we know that most particularly because he says in the first sentence, he writes it to Theophilus, which in the Greek means friend of Christ, or the translation I like is friend of God, the beloved of God, Theophilus. He writes to someone who is dear and near to him. Luke writes to Theophilus because Luke has been his mentor. He's been the teacher of the faith to this man who probably was a convert and came into the community of Christ because of the preaching and the witness of Luke and that circle of early believers. Theophilus was the student. Luke was the teacher. Theophilus was the learner. Luke was the mentor. And if you've ever been in that relationship of someone with whom you lean on and learn from, someone who you sit at their feet and that wisdom and that experience, they pour it out into you until you begin to take hold of your sense of your own wisdom and your own voice. We would say that about preachers, maybe about teachers. Theophilus was the student. Luke was the teacher. He wanted Theophilus, Luke wanted Theophilus to embrace the reality that this man, Jesus, was of God. That when he preached, he preached a wisdom from beyond that he was the one who had the power to forgive and to heal. This was what Luke was all about. Now, it's just one person's sense or opinion that what may have been happening in this letter is that Luke came to that place when he looked at his student and it was as if he says in this text, Theophilus, you've learned what I can teach you. You've been the student. You've been observant and disciplined and now you are learned. And now, my friend, now you become the teacher. Now you step out and you be the one who takes this gospel and gives voice to it in the world. What I have, I've given you, my affection's always with you, but you must be sent. You must go into the world and you find your students. God will send them to you, fear not. 
there will always be someone in your path who is eager to hear this story and to embrace this wisdom. But go, go and teach. You know, to be a disciple literally means to be one who learns. The text, it seems to me, tells us something about the power of witness. And it's very clear to me that part of witness is what happens when we learn, when we acquire the knowledge of the scripture, when we, we learn some intimacy with our Lord. But witness is not complete just when we're in the process of being the learners. Witness is complete when we become the teachers, when you use your voice and you share your experience, the places that God has planted a word within you, a hope within you, and you share that with the world. That's when witness comes alive. For as often as we bear witness and we see hearts changed, we know by that that Christ is alive in the world. That witness is what we are part of today. We are bearing witness to a world. And you were here at an amazing place and a church of worship and mission that is remarkable and profound. But you're really here, friends, to bear witness that it was here in, in this place, in this fellowship with these leaders and these friends that you came here to learn about the love of Christ, that you came here to learn to serve in the name of Jesus, that you come here to learn how to live in the joy of Jesus. That's why we're here. But any of that and all of that amounts to little unless you share it, unless you, like Theophilus, learn to take this into the world. The world is hungry to hear this good news. The world needs to know this Savior. Take this message. Be the student, but be the teacher and go and tell the story so that all would experience Jesus and all would be invited to live and thrive within the realm of his holy love. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Lord, what is incomplete inside us, whatever it is that worries us about what we know and don't know, who we know and don't know, what we've done and not done, work within us by your amazing love. Again, make us whole within your sight. Incline your ear to us, O God, and grant us your peace. Amen.